1: Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind and Allstate. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. Welcome into to the latest edition of Sooners for Life, presented by The Varsity O. Learn more about The Varsity O online right now at thevarsityo.com. We celebrate 40 years of OU women's gymnastics as Jessica Cootie sits down with Kelly Garrison-Funderburk. All right, we welcome you back to the Sooner Sports Podcast. A special guest for you today as we have Kelly Garrison-Funderburg, a Olympic gymnast, the first ever to record a perfect 10 on the balance beam, and she competed at Oklahoma, an Oklahoma kid. Kelly, it's the 40-year anniversary of this program. appreciate you joining us, by the way, but you think about how far this program has come, and we're talking about a 40-year anniversary. Does it seem
2: like it? Some days it does more than others, um, but uh, I don't know. It's just fun to watch the whole process from where it began to where it is today, and I feel like I was just a big stepping stone to, or springboard to get that, actually more of a stepping stone probably, to get that whole program started and for each coach along the way to just build on it.
1: Well, take me back because it's so different nowadays. I mean, even just in 10 years, the recruiting process. But when you were kind of going through and trying to figure out where you wanted to go to college, take us through that process, what it was like for you then.
2: Well, it wasn't a for sure thing. Like most people thought that I would automatically go to OU. Um, What most people probably in today's world, they may not realize is that Becky Buick Switzer, um, she was my private club coach. And, um, when I moved away from home from Altus to Oklahoma city, when I was 11, um, I trained with her. So this was before that she, um, before she was at the university, before they even had a women's program at OU. Um, so I trained there for for three years. So I knew that she could take me to the level that I wanted to be nationally from small town girl in Altus to, a national level and actually international so um when i started working with her so long ago um i made the national team i qualified for the olympic trials um at 12 years old i mean i, mean, I just had a super early success from a um national international level started competing you know internationally so When I was being recruited, which was basically about four years or or maybe, well, yeah, I guess it was, um, okay, so I moved away from home in in 1979, and then I, um, you know, the program wasn't even started till like 81 with Paul Zert, so um, I had actually quit gymnastics for a short stint and moved back to Altus. Then I moved again back to OU like back to Oklahoma or to Oklahoma City with Becky and Greg Buick lived with them and trained for the 84 Olympics so i had a history with OU so when it was time for me to be recruited everybody was just like oh she's going to go to OU but i kept thinking okay this is my chance to like go do something completely different right so i went on all of my recruiting trips i went to um I guess back then the most. Well, I went to Utah because they were national champions. I went to Arizona State, and then I went to Cal State Fullerton. And I really strongly considered Cal State Fullerton. They were like the hot bet, the second in line behind Utah. Um, I was supposed to go to Florida, and then I kind of just bailed on that. I was just like, I don't know. So, um, going through the recruiting process it was a little bit different for me because my goals were different than what college gymnast goals are today. I wanted to, most of them, all but Kayla Skinner, Skinner, because she's trying to make the Olympics, right? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to keep training internationally and make the world championship team again, compete in the Olympics. And so that eliminated a lot of programs from the get go. So then when I finalized, like, my top three, I thought, can these coaches that are at these universities who make great, you know, national champions for college, can they really be the same Mm -hmm. coach to take me internationally? So I really was in a different ballgame of what I was looking for when I was being recruited because I still wanted the national or ncaa experience but i also wanted to compete worldly so
1: all that being said what was it about becky switzer that you knew she could get you there
2: well she had done it twice before i made the olympic trials in 1980 i made the olympic trials in 1984 and i actually was an alternate in 84 so i was out in la with mary lou retton and all the team and so none of the other coaches had made, had produced Olympians because they were college coaches. I mean, they, they weren't even their goal, weren't even on their radar really. So although I, you know, I thought, well, they still could. It just came down to where I felt like Becky had the political um, connections nationally, um, knowing judges. I had history with her, you know, why take a chance with, A college coach and if their emphasis i mean it was a hard balance for becky because and for me too of course because i was having to peak twice so the way we trained um i had to um, compete and peak for ncaa's which was in april and then turn around and the elite international season started in the summer and went through fall And so then I had to train all summer, which is fine. Um, I was used to year-round training and but try to peak again then in the fall. So that was incredibly hard. Like I had no idea. And of course, then I was older, I was 20 years old, and all my teammates were like 15, (laughs) not as you, but internationally. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, Hey, you don't look the same physically as you know these guys and i'm like well of course not because i have bumps and curves and you know a figure and i was at the time i was married to um, a fellow gymnast at ou and so they were just like she'll never make the olympic team right and so what i what becky and i did was huge for um for me personally and her as a co olympic coach but also for the future of women's gymnastics because I started training weight training and we did that with the the football weight coach who was Pete Martinelli, which was wow. all brand new. Like women didn't train women gymnasts had never lifted weights really. We just lifted our body weight. So that was kind of a spearhead, you know, moment that I don't think most people realize.
1: <laughs> that That's happened awesome because
2: I was at OU you know? Wow,
1: that's cool. So, when they hire Becky at OU, I mean, obviously, it was a, a great hire for OU at the time, but what did you believe, I guess looking back now, that she could be a good head coach for the University of Oklahoma?
2: Could you rephrase that? I was a little, I'm not, confu- I'm confused on your question. So, when she was hired at OU, um,
1: obviously, she was great for the Sooners, And but what do you think looking back made her a good option for the Sooners to to take over and be the head coach
2: for a young program, right? Absolutely. So Paul Zert was the coach for three years. And just, I mean, OU was ahead of its time by going, we need a woman. We need a woman in there. You know, these are women gymnasts. It's women's sports. And I think Becky was, you know, just fit that role to say, hey, I get it. I I understand. And so um, when Becky came to OU, I think that said a lot for Donnie Duncan, who was the athletic director um, to support a female in that role and say, okay, let's give this a try. And I, and I, I love that about, I mean, there were other female coaches nationally, but, being in Oklahoma, kind of a good old, you know, it was, I'm just going to say it, little good old boys system, you know, like that was a, a learning curve. I mean, that was a change and that was bold. So um, I think I, that's one thing I love that OU does is that they support, um, you know, women coaches so strongly. That's awesome. So you
1: think about the foundation that you guys helped to lay at that time and how far it's come now. How do you kind of, you know, reflect how much pride does that give you to see that, you know, they're a national program that competes for national titles every year and you helped to lay that foundation?
2: Um, I'll be honest. Initially, it was hard because I'm like, even though I won national championships at OU for my team never went to nationals which is so bizarre looking back. So um, I realized how rare that was that I was able to kind of be able to do that, but I didn't even get to enjoy that team aspect of winning a national championship. So um, when I look back, I, I kind of am sad a little bit thinking, gosh, um, it would have been different to, to win a national championship. So as a team. So when I watch, and have watched uh, you do that through coach kendler um i can understand now how special that is because there's so many components that it takes in order to win when i won it was just me i just was in control of me all i had to worry about was hitting my routines and i knew that if i hit my routines it would help the team but not all of us were able to do that so When I see Coach Kendler do that, I'm like, wow, there's so many pieces to the puzzle in order to accomplish that. I mean, that's what she does that I think other coaches have not been able to do is um, figure out all the different pieces of the pie to win a championship. And that's what I noticed when she came to OU is like, I'm bringing in this coach. I'm bringing in this coach, assistant coach. I'm bringing in this trainer. You know, I mean, she just figured out this well-oiled system, which really, to me, she's more of a CEO than a gymnastic coach, you know? She figured out all the components to create success.
1: Um you, there's no bigger supporter of this program than you. I mean, you invite people at the grocery store. You're constantly posting to get people to the meets on your Facebook, on your social media. Why is that so important to you to be such a big supporter of this program still today?
2: Well, I do miss when I competed. There were a thousand people in the stands, and um, and also, I, I guess I kind of had a little beef. Because when I won the national championship, um, OU football won the national championship. And so they were on the front page of the paper and my was on the back page of the newspaper. And so I thought, you know what, we're all doing our God-given talents. You know, we're all, we're the best at what we do. And I didn't understand not being recognized the same as as another sport it just happened to be football that year okay so one I know um I mean gymnastics is a year-round sport there's a lot of dedication that goes into that sport different than a a shorter season sport especially back when I mean nowadays I think there are other sports like you know, football and basketball, where they do kind of train more all year. But, um, I mean, gymnastics, you can't take off, or you're going to be way out of shape physically. Um, And then just to come back, it's a little bit different. So I felt like it's important for people to recognize we have national champions right here, and women need to support women in what they do. Uh, and men do too. I mean, my husband's like, I have no idea why these college guys are not at every single gymnastic meet, (laughs) female gymnastic meet. He's like, are you kidding me? They're talented. They're flying through the air. They're beautiful. Um, you know, physique, like who wouldn't want to go watch that? Right. So, um, I've always told people that they need to, the building has to be on fire for the media to show up, you know, um, or they need to perform in their swimsuit to get people in the door. I mean, you know, something, but, but they basically are, you know, so I just feel like it's really important for, uh, for people in Oklahoma to recognize what we have there. I mean, they, and they're doing it year after year after year. So let's support this amazing program and um, staff and athletes i mean the athletes are going to come and go right they're going to rotate in and out but to have a a coach um, i mean coach kendler should be should have a bronze statue right beside you know barry switzer are you kidding me she's won as many as he has so why isn't there a statue at the stadium or on campus of her because she you know she just exudes success right (laughs) and what a what a motivation it would be for other young people especially young girls coming up to say dude like i want to be that i can be that and so and i honestly would if you ask me like if i'm like a big pro women liver i'm going to say no but all of my comments say yes okay so call it what you want but I just think it's unfair to not have the same recognition for being successful at what we do. So you got the first perfect 10 in
1: NCAA history. Do you remember, is it, is it like yesterday that routine? Oh yeah. Oh, that yeah. is, yeah. take us through it. What, like, okay. what you felt like, did you know there hadn't been a 10? Were you, were you shooting for that? Was that a goal?
2: I mean, obviously you want to get a 10 every time, but. right. Um. Okay. So the number one thing is like, as I would go through your routine, just like normal, you think, Oh, it's going good. Right. Then if I keep this up, I might get a 10. Now I had done 10s in practice. You're not going to get a 10 in a meet unless you've done a 10 in practice. Unless it's kind of just, a, you know, all the stars align. So as I was doing my routine, I'm like, Oh, okay. it was normal. That's what I did in practice. But you know, the hard part is doing it in a meet for me being the first one to do it is for a a judge to actually give it a 10, you know, like all of a sudden that just changed everything. So as I was going along in my routine, I'm like, all right, this is good. All right, this is good. And, you know, when I got to right before my dismount, I'm thinking, gosh, if I stick up, this is a 10, you know? And so I didn't, like there's times that I've thought that and, and then you screw up. You know, you're not supposed to ever think, oh, I'm gonna have a 10 if I hit this. You know, you're supposed to be thinking of what you need to do to make the skill perfect. Um, so when I landed and stuck, I I felt like it was a 10. But more importantly, I when for Becky to say that was a 10 to me was just as important than the judges saying it was a 10. Because she saw me every day, she she knew what a ten was, and as we have all come to see, there are times in today's world that girls or these young women will do, and men will do a routine, and they get a ten, and it's may not necessarily be a ten. I mean that should be reserved for like woo, very pinnacle right, so. Um, and that's kind of one thing that's hard today when I watch and they go, Oh, you know, Maggie has however many 35, I don't even remember tens. I'm like, okay, that's true. And that's great. And I'm glad I set that standard. But back then, I think it was harder to get a 10 than it is today. And I'm not saying mine was greater than theirs. It was just the first. And so, um, It wasn't like I set out, like, I'm going to go get a 10. But I've got to tell you this, okay? When a lot of athletes are um, superstitious, right? You know, that lucky sock or lucky this or lucky that. Okay, so when I was warming up the day, um, that day for that meet, my number on the back of my leotard you know, you have to have a number mm-hmm. for regionals and national competition. It was 110, 110. And wow. so my teammate, Cassie Fry Rice, was like, Kelly, she was superstitious too. She's like, you're going to get 110 today. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, right. Whatever. Okay. So then fast forward on being, so I get a 10. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, she was right. And of course, then we were like, gosh, why wasn't my number 410? <laughs> so I would have gotten 410s. <laughs> but anyway. Oh, that's a great story.
1: Uh, the uh, being an Oklahoma kid, and I know, you know, again, everyone assumed you would go to OU, but everything, but now looking back, and you got your degree, you went back and got your degree. Yeah. How special is it for you to represent Oklahoma, to have been able to wear the Crimson and Cream and, and um, be a summer?
2: Oh, you know it is hard because when you grow up in Oklahoma, and my my dad was a diehard OU fan. Um, you know, my sister went to OSU on scholarship in softball, so we're a house divided. And so, for um, when I decided to go to OU, she, you know, she was disappointed they had had a program at OSU. I knew the coach um, at OSU for gymnastics. Um. And so, but when I decided to go to OU, I mean, I just, I don't know. I just want to say, you know, I know that OU is associated with being a winner. I mean, I just, you know, I just felt, and everybody who knows me knows that I would have picked OU over OSU all day long, even if I wasn't a gymnast. I mean, just because that's, okay. My sister knew that about me. My parents (laughs) knew that about me. I mean, even before Becky or... Um, I just I wanted to be the best of the best, and I felt like OU was that. I mean, now if that was inbred in me because my dad, because um of the tradition, you know, we we watched every OU football game. I I never watched an OSU game or any other sport for or any other team for that matter. I I mean, who cares, right? And so I just i was i'm proud to be a sooner i always i I felt like it was home um i felt the support um i felt they would look they would view uh, and support me from a bigger level a national and international level i mean because I had such a different viewpoint than most 17 year olds going to college. I'd already traveled the world and I wanted a worldly support system. And so I, I mean, I look back and realize that it's not like when I sat down and made my list at 17 years old, you know, I thought, Oh, well, they are worldly. I just sensed that, you know, and I knew that they, um, when I met with Donnie Duncan, you know, I, I knew that he thought big. I mean, I grew up in a small town and a lot of people don't think big. They've never left that town. Um, and so it's nothing, it's nothing personal. It's just that you grow when you travel. And so when I started traveling the world at 12, I thought differently when I came back home. And so I felt like, oh, you would support that. Why was it important to come back to the um, A couple things. You know, I used to live in Indiana for 12 years in between. And I could have, I mean, there was times I thought about finishing my degree up there, and I thought there's no way. You know, this is kind of before internet. <laughs> Is there such a thing <laughs> before like online schooling where i could graduate from ou if i lived you know in timbuktu but when i came back to, when i moved back to oklahoma um and my kids were young i just thought you know i want them to know the importance of finishing something i mean they were like four and five when i went back to school and so I wanted my degree to, it, again, it was kind of felt like to complete me, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of an all or none gal. I am. <laughs> Let me just, there's no kind to that, okay? So when I went, you know, when I decided to go back to school, it was like all. Oh. Like my husband, he didn't really know me in that capacity because he didn't know me when I was a gymnast. He didn't know me when I was, you know? And so when I went to school, he was just like, you're crazy, like obsessive. Like you don't have to get an A. And I'm like, yes, I do. And he's like, no, you don't, you know, you're just trying to get your degree. Just check the box, Kelly. And I'm like, I don't work that way. You know, it's a good thing, bad thing, I'll be honest. And so when I I, mean, I was so elated with that opportunity, that I could do to go back and get and use the post-athlete or post-eligibility scholarship. I mean, I was just like, this is the coolest. They actually care, you know? I mean, they care whether they're dumb jocks, <laughs> just kidding, graduate, right? So they made this opportunity available. And so I was tickled pink to be able to graduate. That's awesome. So we have about four years, program was
1: started and we're about to celebrate national girls and women's Forge day but just back when you were an athlete the opportunities that are now provided for women and these gymnasts i mean how how special how rewarding is it for you as a woman who kind of helped pave the way for these women to see how far we come
2: yeah i think it's really hard for them to even conceptualize the the pioneers of women's sport, even for me, right? Like you just kind of grow up thinking I'm going to have the same opportunities as everyone else. And it's not until you really look back into history that you go, oh, some women weren't allowed to do sport. I'm like, what are you, you know, some women weren't allowed to go to school, what? What are you talking about? So like when I talk to my kids about that, or they're studying that in school, like it just is mind blowing for them. So what I know now is like for these athletes, the opportunity they have in front of them is, um, it's limitless because whatever they put into it, they can get out of it. I mean, if they want to be the best of the best, in whatever, whether it's in sport. Um, I think one thing they do better now is to help guide the athlete. Like this is gonna end and you're gonna have to have a job. Like you're gonna have to like figure out like a career. And for me, I was so focused on the Olympics. Once I hit that, um, I was pretty lost afterward. And so a really important piece for me is um helping athletes transition to recognize, I mean, this is we've done something all of our life for so long that you it is your norm. You have no idea what it's like to not be an athlete and not spend hours upon hours in a gym and, and have your self-esteem um based on that unfortunately sometimes and you know i was this is kind of a running joke like with my husband because i'm like i was told i was good since i was seven years old you know so praise is kind of a a love language need you know just say hey you look cute today or hey you know whatever and he's just like are you serious you really need to hear that and i'm like kind of (laughs) yeah because i mean there's a mental component that is not addressed and if i could do anything i would be like let me help these athletes not just gymnasts transition out of sport to real life because I immensely struggled with that immensely and so and and I felt extremely alone in that process and and being a survivor I survived but it was pretty ugly process to go through and I just hope that the university is helping and I know they help more than they did when I was there with co- with school, like a career path, things like that. But there's so many other components besides just that that um, I think most like common people don't understand.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, last thing for you, but you know, the the first when you first about this is a brand new program to where it is today. How would you describe the growth and, and where it is? I mean, you are a proud alumni. I mean, you are um, a support, like I mentioned, earlier, the number one supporter. How would you think about the growth of
2: 40 years? How would you describe that growth? Mm. Um, well, it's been a process, but it's been ex- exponential in the last 15 you know, I started looking back at the numbers of, like, Colzer, three years, okay? Becky Switzer, what, 17, 18 years. Um, Steve Nuno, you know, every time they ups their game. Every time. They, they, you know, continue to grow. What Joe Castiglione did when he hired KJ Kendler is he hired a winner and a leader and he knew what he was looking for and she knew what she wanted. And she wanted a program that she could support that she would get support. And I know that sometimes she pushes the envelope, but that's what leaders do because they think bigger than most, most people. And so I am so, I want, you know, I'm kind of crazy about it. I kind of want everyone to go. I'm like, I mean, if I see somebody, I'm like, hey, have you gone to the gymnastic meet? And they're like, what are you talking about? You know, I'm like, well, you're a loss. You're a big loser because you don't go. No, I'm just kidding. So I'm like, you know, let's, let's go see this. I mean, you kind of got to figure out what it is their angle is that they would like. Like, is it? Supporting women—is it seeing great sport and athletes? And um, is it family event? You know, like why in the why in the world do some of these colleges have twelve thousand people watching a home gymnastic meet in person, like at Utah? And oh, you has four. I'm like, ding, 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 ding. Hello, everybody out there. Like. And and I want to kind of grab all the women and just shake them a little bit and say, stop going to the tailgate, you know, with your husband, because that's what guys do. And it's all fun. It's changing that whole mode and saying, let's go watch these amazing athletes. You name me one woman who doesn't like to watch women's gymnastics, right? I can't. I know, cause every Olympics are like, oh yes, I love to watch the gymnasts. I'm like, I know you. Then you get to watch it every year. Let's go, come on, chop chop. You know, <laughs> so um, I just think, I don't know. Sometimes I just want to be be there at OU and say, look, give me a job. You know, I can. We need people in this in those stands. It's really unfair to have a program that's the best in the nation year after year. And nobody's sitting there to watch it. That's, that's baloney. But, Coach Kandler, if anyone can make it happen, she will. Right? And Joe. Come on, Joe.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, we got to give this code. There's no doubt about it. So, obviously, we huge, huge crowds.
2: Right. Yeah. Well, that huge to you. Not huge to me, because I don't think huge is until you know it's full. Until it's sold out. Well we're we're getting there. The, you, you're gonna lead charge on that. I've no
1: doubt about it. Okay, thank you so much for your time. It was awesome as always to chat with you and fun to hear uh, how the how far that everything's come.
2: It's yeah, it's awesome. I love it. I mean thank goodness that oh uh, you from the um leadership at in the sports department, the president, also the coaches, you know, parents, athletes, all of it. It's, it's all also one piece of the pie, right? Each piece. And so we'll get there.
1: Thanks for joining us for Sooners for Life. Again, you can learn more right now at the This has been the Sooner sports podcast. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Riverwind. Home to a luxury hotel, fine dining, and never-ending rewards. Riverwind is still the one. And Allstate. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Sooner Sports Network.